1: Look at up. And I'm watching CNN talk about this as violent white nationalist protests. We have done everything in our power to keep this peaceful. You know? It's uh, Pepe's become kind of a symbol.
3: Welcome to Yena Na Pesaran, a show about fascism and its gravediggers. I'm Cam Smith. I'm Andy Fleming. And this week, well, it's a little bit unusual. Normally, when we do these shows, uh, you know, I ask the guest how they would like to be referred to, but it's quite unusual for us to receive a letter on, you know, legal letterhead informing us that we must refer to our guest today, Tom Tanakey, as a content creator, an influencer, a man about town, and a keen observer of the human condition. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, Tom.
1: That was not the most up-to-date version of my bio. That was the previous one, Gem. The most up-to-date version says, Tom Tanakey, state agent, Part of cover-up, damage control, counter-claims, far-right nut job, conspiracy theorists—you know that i and that I've been hired to troll and discredit far-right freedom movements and people who expose paedophile rings. That's what my latest version of my bio was, Cam. Why didn't you get that?
3: Oh, sorry. There might have been some miscommunication from uh, the Mossad there.
1: <laughs> I should clarify um, what I've just read out is an actual thing written by a conspiracist in the past day. Uh, about me uh, just for just for everyone listening to your lovely pod thanks for having me back on though um, by our side thank you for having me back on to discuss what conspiracists say i am with respect to pedophile rings now tom i guess
3: we'll get into why people are saying this about you is it a little bit strange sort of two years and a bit into observing these groups uh that they're just noticing you <laughs>
1: They're very odd, aren't they? I've always had really, they're very insular, you know. They're only really exploring amongst each other. And so, you know, the the white noise outside of their little bubble of people like myself, I talk about them all the time, but I've always found the strangest moments. You know, there was a moment, what was it, last year, where I found out that a a conspiracist ringleader used to be a Freemason. Which doesn't matter to me. But it does matter to them, quite famously, you know, this is a thing for conspiracists. So I pointed that out and suddenly these people like Karen Brewer, a notorious old war, war horse conspiracist, you know, Freemason hunter self-styled, the woman who I dragged on repeatedly and had been very disparaging about in broad terms, suddenly was sharing my content. And, I, and then suddenly I had conspiracists coming to my page to like it, to honestly engage with it and getting really disappointed to find out that I didn't just expose Freemasons, but that in fact I spent most of my time ragging on conspiracies. So – but, but apart from that you know you don't get these very rare moments you know for someone like myself what have I, I've spent thousands of hours since you, you know and I say all of us at the around the same time I noticed that the anti-lockdown movement began early 2020 and we started doing commentary and watching it Yet the amount of times I've generally been responded to by conspiracists is quite rare but this is a this a, this is very late in the day to be um, suddenly getting uh, uh, accused of being of, of helping to show Shield pedophile rings, but here we are, hey. Or having the mask uh, ripped from your face, Tanu. Yeah, finally been unmasked as an agent of the state. I, I, it's you know, it's really nice to go online and to read yourself labelled as a, as an enabler of pedophiles, as a pedophile yourself. It's really nice, isn't it? You know, it's it's very, it's really pleasurable. It does put a foul taste in my mouth with regards to these people. Nobody can read that a lot. And I have been reading it a lot over the past week, and really remain empathetic in, in a broad sense. You know, I've always tried to counsel uh, being, you know, empathetic when it comes to the circumstances that lead people into conspiracy. But with anyone calling you a pedophile repeatedly online, just to get back at you because they don't like the cut of your jib, you you know you, you get a little bit you get a little bit cynical quite quickly about these people, you know.
3: I think also perhaps testing uh, the limits of one's empathy is uh, you know, kidnapping children.
1: Yeah, so, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> not a, I'm big, not fan a of, big fan
3: of the of the act of kidnapping. So this is I feel like also in Australia we've maybe been there's been there been quite a few cases of this in the states and in Canada where these Q, you know I think because QAnon became so prevalent as just sort of a you know mainstream. Republican viewpoint or you know not so much on the fringes that you mm. had custody disputes where QAnon just became part of it because yep. because these people were sort of cooked anyway they were in these custody disputes and it's going to get incorporated I feel like until now we've sort of been spared that I had seen a little bit of stuff where these there there were some QAnon guys uh, that had come down to Melbourne for a bit I don't know if you remember the guys that came to rescue the towers uh, when when they were locked down one of them, like, inserted himself into some other person's custody to dispute yep. and they put out a video where the, the father who um, had custody of the of the child was just perplexed because he didn't know what they were talking about.
1: Okay, so he'd really say so he didn't even know these people but he just yeah. decided to become Ins- a
3: Insert himself.
1: Yeah, okay.
3: So I think now we're sort of really starting to see it though. So can you tell us a little bit about this case that unfolded over the past few weeks?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I'll preface this by saying, you know, I think like – Abduction, as relates to custody disputes or you know squabbles amongst hexes has existed since time immemorial, uh, and 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 that's a horror in and of its own right. But yeah, as you point out, what what really became notable was the the intermingling of conspiracy circles as they became really paranoid through the lens of QAnon and like with parent, pedophile rings. You know, so through the, through the pandemic process of the pandemic, I, I think in particular now you see. See so many people you you started to see reports like you said, Cam from from America of people who'd become Q pilled. And part of being the fundamental part of being cubed is to be terrified of that pedophiles are absolutely everywhere, and to 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 become you know as I often call them a, a pedophile fantasist, as in you you have a proclivity for inventing pedophiles that aren't there. We don't we all know that there's plenty of pedophiles there in the world. There's been plenty of pedophile rings and the like demonstrably, but the 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 act of the pedophile fantasist network is to continue to invent to invent more of them and to label people then, whether they know it or not, or whether they'll admit it or not, for political ends. You know, so we have a we noticed through the lens of Q and which is a very pro Trump thing, we had a hell of a lot of discussion about the uh, democrat connections to Epstein and the like, we didn't have very much discussion for obvious reasons about Trump's connection to him. So all those things are very interconnected and they set the scene for why, because I'd already talked about this, you know, I had a video in the past called Pedophile Fantasists, you know, I have tried to look soberly at this uh, proclivity of certain conspiracists and the dangers with it and the problems and the things we do and don't know about it and the various popular conspiracies that exist in Australia. For example, there's this ex-Senator Bill Heffernan who who uh, infamously among conspiracy circles alluded to a list of 28 uh, infamous uh, high-profile pedophiles that he said was suppressed and the like, which is, you know, of dubious legitimacy. I talked about all that in previous videos, and that set the scene for me to want to tread carefully to talk about this thing that happened last week. It does have a happy ending for anyone, so don't, it's not too grim for anyone that's listening and is a bit worried that they don't want to hear some terrible instance of child abduction and abuse, A little five-year-old girl was taken. She was taken by the mother during a a visitation. The mother had only supervised visitation because there was a protection order filed uh, by the state on behalf of the children against her. I'm not, you know, I'm not violating anything, any private information. In fact, this is all by the testimony of the mother in in an interview from about a month ago with a conspiracy guy called Dale Holmes. She did an interview with him in which she talked at length about some really satanic panics type stuff about her experience with what she described as a multi-generational military plan to target and abuse her family from her grandmother through to her daughter. You know, it's pretty, pretty surreal stuff, you know. She was talking about how people have been planted in her life since her daughter was a baby, specifically to her remove her from her from from having custody or access and and really a whole series of things that sounded like I don't know, you know, I'm not there monitoring all the way, but all all added up. It sounded like the paranoid delusions of someone who is who has become red pilled and particularly pilled on conspiracies related to satanic ritual abuse, you know, and she's been encouraged along by this Dale Holmes guy who's basically giving her, you can see it in their lengthy interviews, giving her all the right language, you know. She alludes in that discussion to how she's linked up with a network of a couple of other conspiracists who we later on came to f- find out where um, apart from Dale, there was a um, person called David Cole or Lernpa, an Indigenous sovereign citizen conspiracist kook uh, of, of some repute. Who had, you know, been very involved in the convoy to Canberra, and you might remember the your listeners might remember the fire at Old Parliament House, very deeply tied in with all that, and yeah, a couple of other people, including a couple called Craig and Juliet Oldroyd. Now, what happened was that none of us knew about any much of this. This video with interview with her and Dale Holmes might not have come to our attention, except for we found out that the child had been taken away by the mum during a visitation. They disappeared. And then Juliet Oldroyd, one of this circle of conspiracists who'd taken the mother under their wing, admitted on Facebook that she had helped to abduct the child. They're not my words, they're her words. So we all went to panic stations, I suppose. And I didn't really want to insert myself into this issue. But I did think, well i'm well placed to explain to the outside world what's going on with this murky world of conspiracists so i did you know I, I went and i did a lengthy video explaining cropping really mostly from the mother's own words you know what she was what she was talking about why She was being groomed, it seemed to me, by these conspiracists and and really just trying to explain the situation to hopefully, you know, I I suppose my naive hope was that it might help the people to, to detect the girl faster, to understand exactly what was going on at least. After about five days, though, um, either the mother or someone else in this conspiracy circle, when still not sure, handed the daughter back into a police station in Darwin, which was, you know, and that was last Friday. And what a relief, you know. So that's what's happened. But since then, they've detected my video discussing the subject and my older video about pedophile fantasists. And now here we are. I'm being called an agent of the state and apparently I am the shield that guards all pedophiles. So that's nice, isn't it?
4: How do you respond? Because I suppose part of the intent behind what you're doing in your videos and publications is to bring a slightly more reasonable uh, term of reference to address yeah. these sorts of issues to try and, you know, appeal to reason, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but obviously that doesn't necessarily work all the time and instead yeah. guns are trained on you and so h- how do you respond what what is there any particular tactic
1: that you think is worthwhile or is it is it is Why? there no point in engaging well What I've decided I am going to do is that, okay, so the real reason that most of their eyes are upon me was because a few days ago, that same Dale Holmes guy, as in the one that had the original interview with the mother a month ago, had seen my videos and he... Did commentary on them he responded to my to my video about the abduction and about my older video talking about this subject this proclivity for you know this this these circles of pedophile fantasists so he saw that and he responded in a video that I, I watched it a couple of times and I thought, this is a really impressive demonstration to everyone of what I'm always trying to tell them. I've noticed throughout the entire pandemic that lay people tend to want to go conspiracists to idiots. They just, they don't know nothing. That's why they fall into this stuff. And that may be true at the outset. But what I'm always trying to get people to understand is that they're not, They're not uninformed. They're really highly informed, like mega highly informed. It's just that it's bad information and it's information that doesn't hold up to fact checking or scrutiny, you know? So the reason this is a perfect example of that is because when Dale Holmes is responding to me, you are absolutely bombarded by examples total recall this guy has for countless examples over 25 minutes he lists a dizzying amount of examples of of child abuse and it's really interesting what i think the tactic is what and i don't think he's deploying a tactic intentionally i really think he knows all this stuff off the top of his head and he marinates in it and he's, he demonstrates that he really is very highly informed he's not an idiot conspiracist he just doesn't understand or he's not willing to understand the difference between the many examples he goes on to list. Because you know he's going through this process of going, oh yeah, you think we're pedophile fantasies? What about this instance? What about this instance? What about this? What about this? What about this? And he just does that for 25 minutes nonstop. It's really actually impressive. The thing is, some of the instances he talks about are real examples of child abuse. Some of them are real examples of Penophile rings, but many of them are absolute rubbish. Many of them are real situations that have been embellished beyond recognition by conspiracists, and he wouldn't know the difference. He wouldn't want to know either. Moreover, my problem, I'm not here, I was never here to say, all oh, there's no such thing as pedophiles. God, no, that would be a pretty suss thing to say. My thing I've always been trying to say is that pedophile fantasists make more of them up and they do it for other purposes. For example, why am I now being called a pedophile repeatedly? Well, I'm not being called it because they've got any evidence to that effect. I'm being called it because it's their way of saying, I don't like you. I don't agree with your politics, I'm, I I, disagree with you, I reject you. They, they've, they've tacitly come to accept that that's fair play. I mean, we've all, I think the majority of us think it's pretty on the nose, frankly, to say that to people, but these guys have abandoned that moral precept completely. So to answer your question, what am I going to do? Well, I actually thought I'm going to respond to this impressive video. I'm going to take every damn... I don't know how long that's going to take to briefly address every single example he puts in there. But I think that would probably be the most um, useful thing that I could do. You know, I I will take every example and I'll talk about them honestly in, in good faith, you know, and go one by one by one. And it'll probably be a completely unwatchable hour-and-a-half video, and I apologise in advance, but I am going to do it, and I bet you none of them will watch it. But at least it'll be there, and maybe they'll shut up because they'll know that they can't respond. Anyway, (laughs) that's my plan of attack. Now,
3: Tom, one of the other services you provide, besides uh, being an agent of the state, is uh, you run the Rv Yemeni uh, Bullshit Advisory Service. As we record Tuesday evening, Rv Yemeni is currently trending on Twitter, Besides uh, Bob Hawke uh,
1: mm. t- <laughs> yeah
3: possibly unrelated uh turfs o FFs mm. and I think also perhaps some PR guy <laughs> inspired a uh, hashtags like Scotty the F wit so it's good to see that discourse continues Hmm. It's
1: great. I I love it whenever he manages to get. See, has now achieved an incredible status where he doesn't, he can just, he can make up an entire gambit and everyone gets really angry about it. That puts him to the top of the thing in Twitter. All of his followers then think, oh, he's doing a thing. He's famous again. I'll have to contribute, and he gets his dinner money, and all he's going to have to do, and it can be a completely contrived situation. That's enough for all of his followers who just want hyperpartisan, culture war baiting, and entertainment disguised as news. He doesn't have to have done anything. We're we're about to cover the specifics of this situation. I'm sure we'll all agree by the end of it, uh, from the little that we all know so far, that it's a complete non news thing that he's just cultivated to look like news because he can't shut up. But he's won again. He just gets more money, doesn't he? <laughs> That's now, amazing.
3: I guess the question then is, Thomas, Yeah. has New Zealand fallen or has the New Zealand Immigration Department just exercised their discretion to not allow a convicted domestic abuser into the country?
1: Well, I thought to myself, I mean, I, I would like to see the application, but I, I can't see what uh, – Arby's not going to show it all. Arby's not going to – you know, show the whole whole news. But it does seem to me that the New Zealand government have now confirmed that when he said that he was rejected because they're, you know, well, because they're scared of his (laughs) truth-telling or what have you, well, actually they banned him because it seems to me that he got rejected simply because he didn't fill out the forms right, namely that he didn't fill the forms out right to reflect his past criminal uh, record which apparently requires another sort of a form or a disclosure of some sort and in his case we know that his previous criminal record inc- includes you know having pled guilty to and being convicted of uh, the domestic abuse of his ex-wife so yes, yeah, so definitely a domestic abuser he said so himself and he is now he's now created a situation and what's counterintuitive about this is because his domestic abuse record is the last thing he wants to talk about and now this issue has now thrust it into the news almost more prominently than ever before. Now you can't help but talk about this without talking in the news about his domestic assault and I can't see how that was a win for him. Maybe monetarily it will seem like a win because I don't think he's followed. His followers are in a whole other silo of information and concerns. They don't care or Whatever us extremist leftist cucks are saying about him, they're not interested. We are all liars, but yeah, well, you know, I mean, they now they all have to at least have seen them domestic abusing. That can't be good for him, right? Well, that's
4: one thing that kind of you know strikes me is he does have this record, and and yet if I look on Twitter and look at his many fans, respond and, you know, sign the petition and this, that and the other. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever come across one of them saying anything about it.
1: I've got to say the I have. So I, you know, as the RV Yemeni, but not in public, you know, I do get people who go, thank you. I just got into RV Yemeni, but then I saw some of your videos. My uncle slash cousin sent me your videos and I learned about him. Uh, thank you. You know what I mean? I just thought he was a who who's being attacked. You know what I mean? Like pe- people do do that, but then that's only newbies. So I find that newbies realise how much of a um, lovely human he is, and then they 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 backpedal if they're told soon enough. But by the time I think with the really deep ones, the real like angry divorcee dads, they're regarding like they're regarding uh, Yimini, I feel like they see him as like a martyr for for the, all of their their Anti woke sins. He's like Christ who died on the cross, so that they can have arguments with their their, dis, their, their um, dis- daughter who's disavowed them at Christmas lunch about Black Lives Matter and stuff. D- does this make sense? Like you know, like he's he's the person. So whenever they see him getting abused by us leftists, or, or even when we just address his domestic violence, they think of all the things that they've done in the past all the things that make them ashamed, all the things that make them think that us woke brigade types would never accept them, because we've all done bad things in our past, haven't we? And they see Arvi Yemeni as dying on the cross for their sins, you know? So they 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 see that the we go, well, you know, he's actually a domestic abuser, and they feel wounded themselves. That's what I always think about really deep Arvi fans. So they never actually really care. The only reason you really talk about it is well because it's true, it's literally true, and he doesn't like his new fans to hear about it, his prospective ones and and because he goes to great strange lengths to avoid talking about it you know? And that's why I don't understand why did he, if he knew that he just filled the format wrong and he didn't tell them about his domestic abuse, why did he decide to just go for it and uh, new, make a new campaign? Didn't he think that there was a likelihood, he must have thought there was no likelihood that New Zealand would just go to the press and go, yeah, nah, it's because of his criminal record. Did they? He must have thought that.
4: He, he may also operate on the basis that as you say, he has maybe this would scare away some newbies from, you know, reaching into their wallets and sending him money. But he has a core base, yep. or a core, and they don't either don't care or it makes no difference. And and I, I guess also maybe it's the case that if you lose a few fans, you're going to gain a whole lot more by standing up to Jacinda Ardern or whatever you know nonsense he's spinning. It's like that's true. It's, that's it's true. true. It's a win, and it's a and it's. You know, it's it's a business model, which I think seems to work quite well for
1: him. It does work quite well. If he has an audience, a dedicated audience of, let's say, if I look at his videos, you know what I, was, I think they all seem to get in the realm of – they get a lot less than they used to, I notice – but they get, they get into the tens of thousands, generally. you know like the minimum is for them to get, you know, something like uh, 40, 50,000, I think. So maybe 20,000, 20 to 50,000 over here. So let's assume that out of that dedicated base there's about 10,000 of them who are all happy to consistently chip in 10 bucks each. That means that all RV Yemeni ever needs to do again is to absolutely make things up as long as they see that it gets, an, an, um, you know, into the, the project or onto the age, you know, or Sydney Morning Herald, as long as they see that officiating rubber stamp of, oh, the Yemenis triggered the media, as long as they see that, then he's just always going to be set. So he's always going to be able to just take, make, a, make things up Take a situation that seems like it should be reported on, you know, or seems like you know, or seems like it will get him trending at the top of Twitter with all these rage tweets by lefties and all these supporters again, and then he can make his money, get all those ten thousand people to chip in money. We're all just we're all just part of his content creation machine, really.
3: Perhaps just finally, Tom. Yeah, uh, uh, just a word on the anti-lockdown movement as it stands. Uh, I noticed that. There was a bit of an optics mishap the other day with uh, blocking the entrance to a children's hospital.
1: Uh, I was going to talk all about that. Yeah, we just got misplaced. But yes, no, that was exciting, wasn't it?
3: I did. Um, I don't know. What did you think of the observation that uh the deep state has been uh, normalizing seeing ambulances outside of hospitals? Uh, I th- I thought that perhaps that might have been normalized a while ago.
1: Do you? I actually can you? I haven't actually seen that particular one. I got caught up with some of the child abduction stuff. So at a point where I was gonna start talking about that, I was gonna, you know, I gathered all the rally footage to do it, and then that happened, and I just thought, oh, okay, I'll I'll look at it later. But no, I didn't hear this take. Can you tell me what that is, Ham? Well, it's just so you know, obviously
3: the government wants to you know get us ready for COVID led takeover. Yeah, uh, and so to do that, the you know if they have a if we're always seeing ambulances, uh, we're going to be thinking, oh, there's something going on. You know, people are sick or whatever.
1: But it's it's like, convenient, isn't it? It's convenient having all these ambulances outside the hospital, isn't
3: it? Well, it is. Likely it is a, story. <laughs> it's a little pat. Um, I did. Yeah, I did think it was strange. Like maybe if you were seeing ambulances on your street constantly, yeah, uh, you might say, well, that's that. That is a little strange. But I think actually outside the hospital is. One of the primary places where they tend to
1: be—that's pretty normal stuff. I, I did notice, um, yeah, I noticed that the whole sort of the the talk show host brigade was was suddenly, you know, uh, back on the, you know, arguing with the anti-lockdown people on talkback radio again, Neil Mitchell and the like, even though these are the same people who've supported half of the, the you know, the the, the policies that 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 helped these people to to band together in the first place, back before, you know, when it was more convenient for them to do so. That was interesting. It's been really interesting seeing, for me, you know, after having a lengthy period of trying to talk about what Blockade uh, Australia-related activists went through, with the the horrendous over-policing of their actions. And then to look at these people, actually, you know, this, this is the real deal. They actually, you know, this is the thing they accuse every greenie of ever, isn't it? Eh, bloody blocked the ambulance. And no one really ever does, except for here they literally did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's finally the actual example was literally true. They were actually blocking ambulances. Um, and what happened to them? They didn't get nothing. They didn't get charged. They didn't get thrown in jail like some blockade Australia people did for and not see any sunlight for weeks on end. Um, Yeah, it's amazing. It's good. I'm really happy for these people.
3: (laughs) Well, Tom, where can people find you online?
1: Yeah, you can find me at TomTaniki, T-A-N-U-K-I, not my actual surname, I just happen to like the Japanese folkloric creatures. So... And also, I don't like being doxed repeatedly. I uh, Tom Tannicky on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, but particularly YouTube. I do weekly videos on there. I also have a Patreon if you eventually decide that you really love my stuff. So come and find us. Um, I, I regularly cover the anti-lockdown movement and, and their pedophile fantasist people calling me a pedophile all the time. I love it.
3: Well, that's all we've got time for, folks. We'll catch you next week. See you later. Bye-bye.
1: All right, legends. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
2: your free ticket to the upcoming Forum for Dwelling Justice, an activist-driven event featuring speakers including Senator Lydia Thorpe, Debbie Kilroy, Rouge Amity, Whit Gari, and more. The forum brings together grassroots activists and campaign groups to strengthen solidarity movements resisting ongoing colonial dispossession, housing injustice, incarceration, and poverty. The forum ends with film screenings and a discussion between Uncle Larry Walsh, the filmmakers, and guests with lived experience of homelessness, displacement, squatting, and public housing. The event will run from 1 to 7 p.m. on Friday, the 26th of August at the Capitol Theatre, 113 Swanson Street, Narm. Entry is by donation. Join us to identify the radical potential for resistance to dispossession and displacement in Narm. To register, head to cur.org.au forward slash events or check the 3CR website for details. The Forum for Dwelling Justice is brought to you by RMIT's Center for Urban Research, a 3CR supporter.